Hello and welcome to our podcast, Boozy Books and Movies, where my wife and I are going to get really drunk and talk about books and then how they compare to their movie or TV show counterparts. And I'm Colton. <laughs> You're supposed to continue there. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> give a summary of what we're doing today. That's what I usually do. What you you went for, you went first this time. You, <laughs> you got to do the bar. <laughs> what do you say usually? <laughs> I, say, I usually say hi. I'm Colton, and you say I'm Melina, and then I go. Today we're going to be talking about. The Outsider by Stephen King, and we're continuing with this section called Bienvenidos a Tejas, and mm-hmm. we're starting with section number nine. Yep, that. That's what I usually do. Okay, but first, alcohol. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so <clears throat> it's in these crazy concoctions. You good? Yep. So it's in, <laughs> so she made these crazy um, pitcher things. I don't really know. They have fruits in them. I can see the fruits. Mm-hmm. And it's pink. And if you want to see what these are, you can it go onto our... It looks really pretty. I see, I didn't take a picture of it when it was in here. I just took a picture of the pictures, not oh. the... Well, you gotta take a picture of the glass. Mm-hmm. If you want to take a gander at what this uh, delicious concoction is, you can go onto our Instagram page, at Boozy Book Movie. And we're gonna give the recipe here in a couple seconds, but first I have to try it and try to guess what's in it. So let me let me go for it. Okay, the second sip I had wasn't that bad. That alcohol is very familiar. It's not vodka, is it? Nope. No. There are two kinds of alcohol in this drink. Okay, well first let's start with what you can see. Sure. What do you see in here? Raspberries, mm-hmm. blackberries, blueberries. Yeah, it was that grapefruit. Oh. It's a triple berry <laughs> mix from Costco. Frozen, but, yeah. Yeah, the frozen fruits. Gotcha. What is that? Is that a lime? I thought that was a grapefruit. Or a lemon? Lemon, yeah. <laughs> they look big. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so is that what is giving it its flavory, and then the rest is alcohol, or what? There's a lot more ingredients in that. <laughs> There's a lot more ingredients, okay. Okay, so something has congealed at the bottom there, too. I tried to mix it in. Fireball. There, so, no. No. It looks orangey. It is. Whiskey. Whiskey. No, it's not an alcohol. It's, a, it's oh, another it's, ingredient. Oh, it's a pineapple? Pineapple juice? No, it's something that starts as, started as a denser liquid to begin with that I was worried we didn't have and that I thought I was going to have to go to the store to get. Uh-huh. I should have gone to the store to get the other option because it was gave me one of two options. Okay. For that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I clearly don't know what this is. So honey is what's in the bottom. Oh. Okay, so this is called a Cinco... De Mayo mashup. Oh. And I got this like from a magazine or something. And then the little caption is, is it sangria or is it a margarita? With a drink this refreshing, it doesn't matter what you call it. Okay. <laughs> so, well, number one, that's the color of the, uh, uh-huh. It's a very different color. The picture is definitely different than what we made. It is. Or what we have here. So, I don't know how it ended up so different color. But it did. <laughs> so it's there's one bottle of white wine. Oh, that's what it was. That was the familiar taste was the <laughs> wine. That was what it was. That's what I first tasted. So that was an adventure in the kitchen. I had never opened a cork <laughs> wine bottle before. And I'm trying, <laughs> trying to figure out this opener. And I'm like. That's why you went. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure out. Yeah, because it like shot out. And I'm like, ah! 
that's why there's two pitchers is because I just like split everything in like half. But yours and is... you put more wine in mine. Oh yeah, yours has more wine, but mine has more of uh, the next ingredient: uh-huh. tequila. Tequila. <laughs> so yeah, one bottle of wine, one cup of tequila. So yours has half a cup, and mine has like three quarters of a cup. Mine's a lot more <laughs> tequila than wine. So you would so rather... it has like the same alcohol content, like. Yeah, but you you have a lot more tequila. I have more tequila and you have more wine because I really don't like wine. And I really don't like wine. You don't really like tequila either. No, I don't, but I figured it was better than the wine. So So there's lemon in here. One slice lemon, but I only put like two slices in each. And it called for like grapes, but I just put a bunch of fresh and fresh berries but i just put like the mixture of fresh berries in there mm. and then a quarter cup of agave nectar or honey so i put honey mm. in there but it like all congealed at the bottom so i don't think it's really mixed in there okay but oh and lemon lime soda which is sprite so there's sprite in here oh, too okay and wow this is intense three tablespoons of lemon juice so there's a tablespoon and a half in each of them so it's oh. kind of like split up Okay. So yeah. Decent. Yeah, yeah no, this was a involved recipe. Yeah. But um, we actually had all the ingredients for it, so. That's awesome. That's it's crazy. really, like, pretty color, even though it's yeah. not the color in the picture. No. I'm almost wondering if it was that agave nectar or it was supposed to turn it more, like, yellowy. Who knows? But I did also, like, mix it a lot, so it kind of broke up the berries a little bit, and I think that's why it kind of turned pink. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Very, very uh, extravagant recipe. I'm already wine drunk, so. Are you? It's <clears throat> weird. Like, one sip I can taste the wine, the next I can taste tequila, and then it's back to wine. And then... It's just wine. <laughs> For you. Mm-hmm. Which okay. is fine. That's fine. Wine drunk is different than regular drunk. Mm-hmm. So, it'll be weird later. <laughs> you wait until we get to the Marysville Hole. <laughs> All right. So last week we were talking about Claude and Ralph and Howie and the whole gang and even Jack was in it too. Jack's staking out at the Marysville Hole waiting for all these fellas to show on up and the rest of the gang was at Claude Bolton's mom's house and they were all chit-chatting and then they had this revelation that Claude, his memory is being scanned by the outsider and maybe, you know, everything he knows, the outsider knows. And so they had Claude go to town and pick up some chicken and they were going to start talking about some things that were going on. And we kind of ended last week with uh, Jack driving the other way and passing by Claude on his way back with the with the chicken. Um, and so this week we are continuing this chapter because it was kind of a long one um, with section number nine. And so we start back at the house, kind of back in time a, a little bit. So Claude Claude had just left the house to go and uh, pick up some chicken. Um, and so with Claude out of sight, Lovey Bolton asks the group, the fellers, the all the muchachos and muchachas, mm-hmm. uh, she asks the group what they didn't want Claude to hear. Um, and it turned out that the pictures Holly took back at Dayton, Ohio... Of the abandoned factory, the train track, and some other places that were all located near a cemetery. The ho- the pictures that Holly took of the abandoned factory, the train track, and the other stuff that was by the cemetery that they had sent to the local police actually came up with some interesting stuff. 
So it turns out that the abandoned factory had a pile of bloody clothes with a swastika spray painted on the side. And one of the jackets had a red tag or had a tag. Sorry. (laughs) One of the jackets had a tag that read property of HMU, which the group determined to be Heisman Memory Unit, which is the place that who's the other guy? Heath Holmes worked at, and that's where Terry Maitland's father was staying because Uh of his dementia or whatever. So that's like crazy. That's crazy stuff. And so that scene also with the bloody clothes and stuff is very familiar to the barn house that was near um, the cemetery where, you know, Flint City is and everything. Um, and so, so they all pretty much say that the blood that's on the clothes is probably from the Howard girls that Heath Holmes murdered and the fingerprints on the clothes will be of Heath, Heath's fingerprints. Lovey is worried about her boy because she, you know, he's, he's a mama's boy and, and she loves her son and everything. Yeah. And he's the only child. Too, yeah. So. Um, but then she was kind of remembering from her childhood and how she used to watch this Mexican wrestling woman and it was women, you know, TV show or movie or whatever. And it was like, you know, the monsters and stuff. And so then they were like, oh shit, that's the movie that Holly showed us when (laughs) she first got here. And it was the El Cuco show or whatever, or the movie. Uh, and so Halavi was saying that she used to dress up as some of those stars for Halloween. And, um, but then she also remembered that El Cuco used to like to sleep with the dead at graveyards. And so that's where they kind of make this connection that it's like, okay, where all those bloody clothes are found are by graveyards and by, you know, Mm -hmm. dead people and stuff. And so, yeah, that's just kind of, they wrapped it up and they were saying bloody clothes were found by the graveyard in the victim's towns. Always the barn was near the graveyard and so was the abandoned factory. Um, and so then they ask if, uh, they ask Lovey if there's a graveyard close to here. Cause mm-hmm. that's cause they're, they're thinking that Claude mm-hmm. is the next victim. <clears throat> so Lovey says that Marysville doesn't really have a graveyard in town and she doesn't really know of any family plots that are around here. And her relatives are actually buried in different cities because, her husband brought her here, but Lovey's dead husband um, worked 30 years and had a pension, and so he retired and then went and moved to Marysville. But he was buried in Austin, uh, Texas, next to his parents, and the reason why Claude doesn't live around there in Texas or anything is because he never liked the quiet life. Um, but George was Lovey Bolton's husband, and he, after he retired, wanted to raise alpaca- alpacas. <laughs> Um, they died, and so then they were like, well, we'll start raising golden doodles, golden noodles, golden doodles, and um, <laughs> they also died. Which is awful. How do, like, how they do you kill keep... puppies? Yeah. How, how can you not keep, I mean, I know they require a lot of attention, but like, <laughs> if that's like all you're doing, like. Yeah, you're just fucked, man. <laughs> like, if you can't keep puppies alive? I mean, we can barely keep a plane alive, though. Let's be real. Actually, the plant's doing really well, and I was even a prop in the pictures that I took. Oh, hey! So yeah, if you want to check out our cute little plant that we struggled for a long time to keep alive, you go on our uh, Instagram plate, you know, shameless plug here, uh, Instagram page <laughs> at Boozy Book Movie. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable! I love that picture. That's amazing. Ah, that's so cool! You're using the little vines. Oh man, you got you guys got to check this picture out. That's so good. I love that. I did not see these pictures beforehand. That's so awesome. I love that. You should use our plant more. That's well, so awesome. I was like, 
Because I was trying, I'm trying to do like little themes with the pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I really want, like, we really need like St. Patrick's Day prop or something. Oh. I'm like, oh, this is green. <laughs> okay, there you go. When is St. Patrick's Day? Next, not next week, but the week after. So oh, okay. I'll try and find something St. Patrick's Day mm-hmm. themed for next week. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, because it's not next. Next Monday is the 15th, so next Wednesday is St. Patrick's Day. Gotcha. All right, so George Bolton, who wanted to raise alpacas and golden doodles where they all died and all that stuff, he also died, and, uh, oh, fuck. (laughs) I'm out of order here. So George Bolton, who hasn't died yet, (laughs) well, he has died, but But in the story, story he has not died. (laughs) George and Lovey um, were fine because they didn't blow all of their savings, but his business partner, which also happened to be his brother, I think, Roger Mm -hmm. Bolton. Um, He spent his whole savings on this alpaca and golden doodle gig. Um, And so he was not doing very good financially. So Roger and his children, so Claude's cousins, it turns out, were actually buried four miles from the house that they were staying in right now. Because this whole section is like a lot of buildup and it's like a big name drop at the end and it's like suspenseful and stuff. So Lovey Bolton's like, okay, Roger and his children, Claude's cousins, are buried four miles from here. And they were also buried with like four or five other men because they were like trying to find their bodies or whatever. And Lovey was saying that it was very lucky that Claude was not in town that day because he would have gone with them and probably died. But it turns out that Roger Bolton and his children and these four and five other men's men and stuff, and they all died in the Marysville Hole. And that's where they continue to lay till this very moment. And George didn't go either because he had a bad back or something and he, he didn't want to go. But right. we'll find out more about how they died and why they died and stuff. So that's the end of section nine. Mm-hmm. Section 10 is massive. Oh, yeah, I'm wine drunk. <laughs> you can't do this stuff. This wine stuff. Wine stuff does weird stuff to my stuff. <laughs> that sentence made absolutely no sense whatsoever. I'm sure my whole entire section <laughs> nine didn't make any fucking sense. It did, but... You don't drink it all in one go. <laughs> I, mean, I guess you got this one too. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not gonna drink all of mine. Right. I don't like wine that much. It doesn't. You got tequila. I got wine. I'm not gonna be okay. I'm done. You gotta read my sections for me. <laughs> I can't read your section. <laughs> All right, guys, it turns out I'm I'm leaving for the day. Uh, we got Melina here. She'll cover you for the rest of the episode. So, Lovey, the sweet old grandmother woman. <laughs> she's not a grandmother because she's Claude's mom, but she's an old lady. And Claude has no chillings because he's a criminal. Not anymore. Not anymore. He's living the high and mighty bit. Of a um, <laughs> bouncer at a strip club. Is, That's true. Is... Titty bar. <laughs> Specifically. okay so lovey starts to tell the story of what happened in the marysville hole in the marysville hole so she starts with the is it jameson j-a-m-i-e-s-o-n jameson jameson maybe i don't know i didn't type it down sorry so the jameson twins were 11 years old and they died in the marysville hole big fucking sad um, so Lovey's brother-in-law had gotten a job there. So this is Roger, the, yep. you know, 
spent his life saving savings on alpacas and gold medals. <laughs> yep. So he had gotten a job at the Marysville Hole after the dog mis- but dog wow dog business failed. <laughs> he had been exploring in the cave before, so he was hired as a guide right away, and he had done a lot of exploring in the so there's the tourist side of the hole, mm-hmm. and then there's the the back side of the Marysville Hole, which is called something else. I can't remember the name of it, but um, he had explored a lot in that backside. That's not like open tourists Mm -hmm. so uh, there were several tour guides that would take about like 12 people down at a time um the marysville hole is like the biggest cave in texas and it's the most popular thing in it was the chamber of sound so what they would do is one of the guides would stand at the bottom like four to five hundred feet down and like whisper the pledge of allegiance such a strange thing to like yeah whisper i don't remember that but yeah (laughs) i must have read over that (laughs) Uh, but the people at the top would be able to hear, like, every word, like, crystal clear, even though the person was whispering, like, four to five hundred feet down below, like, you know, acoustics, you know. Mm-hmm. So, she said there was also pictographs all over the walls um, from the Native Americans that had, like, lived, the, you know, lived there and occupied the Marysville Hole long before they were around. And there, um, there was an iron spiral staircase that went all the way to the bottom of the hole, so that I'm guessing that's how the person who had to whisper the blood of allegiance got down there <laughs> <laughs> and she said it's still there but probably not trustworthy because it's damp and iron rust and it's been a while since that hole was you know since it was uh vis- since they had visitors um and then Lovie said she went down the stairs once but it made her dizzy as hell so she took the elevator back up which i thought was interesting that there was an elevator all that like that's a long distance like mm-hmm. i don't know um, the bottom of the hole is only two to three hundred yards across, and they put, like, colored lights, like, they set up to show off all, like, the cool mineral streaks and the rocks, and there was also a snack bar down there, and six to eight passageways to explore. Heck yeah. She said she couldn't remember the names for, like, all the passageways, but she could remember some of them. <clears throat> <laughs> One was the Navajo Art Gallery. One was the Devil's Slide, and another was Snake's Belly, where you had to bend over and crawl in places even, which sounds awful. <laughs> um, so these were some of the main passages, and there were also several, like, leading off from these, like, six to eight passageways, mm-hmm. but they, like, barred them off and, like, put... Man, you're doing great. <sighs> <laughs> Not doing so hot. Okay. So they, like close off all these like offshoots off of these passageways so people like wouldn't get lost down them because they weren't explored and they didn't you know didn't really know where they went and some of them may have been dead ends and stuff so there were two or three openings leading away from the snake's belly passageway that weren't boarded up because they were like so small that they figured nobody could fit through them right but carl and kelvin jameson were with the party that went to the snake's belly but they were not with the party when they came out of the snake's belly. Belly, like the two kids were like leading the back, back of the group, and they apparently decided that they were going to sneak down one of those mm-hmm. three holes that grown people can't fit down. Yeah. So, Lovey said her brother-in-law wasn't the tour guide for that group. But he was the one that led, like, the search party that went and looked for them. Um, And the news spread like wildfire in the town. And many locals came, like, running, including her brother-in-law's sons, Claude. These were Claude's cousins. Mm -hmm. And they could hear, like, the group could hear the boys, like, calling from an opening. And they can even see, like, 
a little plastic toy that one had like gotten in the gift shop so they knew like which passageway they had gone down but no one could fit down that so they were like yelling for the boys to like come to the sound of their voice but the boys voices got like farther and farther and farther away mm-hmm. like they didn't they couldn't figure out which way to go Maybe so lost what Maybe lost yeah so Roger suggested that they go around to the backside because if you remember that he was hired because he like knew he had explored the backside of the cave mm-hmm. to see if they could hear them over there. And so they went over there and they could hear him like much better over there. So they got a bunch of like ropes and lights from the equipment building and they decided uh, one guy named Ev Brinkley would stay like out up at the top of the hole that way so of brinkley was at like the top of the hole and he was the one who was like supposed to be like you know sending down more rope when it was needed just to kind of like make sure that the guys are all right and so in the end he was the only one left alive and he moved to austin shortly afterwards i think you know the guilt you wouldn't want to hang around the town and stuff after this tragedy so he was down to like the last hundred feet of rope when an idiot in the group decided to fire a fucking pistol. <laughs> like somebody didn't have much common sense and it costed everyone's life. So somebody shot a pistol, probably hoping to lead the voice of the sound, but in caves are like fragile. Like, I mean, it's like, yeah. So the noise caused part of the ceiling to crash down. Yep. And yeah, so the pistol caused a cave-in, and there were, like, tons of people in the Chamber of Sound, like, that were, like, trying to, that were, like, there for support, and were just being nosy as to what was going on. Um, and they could hear, the people that were in the Chamber of Sound could hear, like, all of that party after that cave-in happened, like, calling for help. And so, Levy and her husband George... Um, went out to the cave as well, but they didn't get there till like, nightfall. The reason why Claude wasn't in there was he was in the reformatory at this time. Um, so there were tons of people that went in and helped, like, clear the cave-in. Like, all the rocks that were... They managed to, like, clear a pathway, and they even got through there. Mm -hmm. Like, if they had just stayed put, they would have been rescued. Right. But I wanted... They... Like, so she had said that they probably, the search party thought somebody in there must have thought they, like, knew another way out or, like, thought they'd find a way out. Or maybe they were still even trying to find the boys. Mm -hmm. So, but they We can't know. Right. We don't know exactly what happened down there because... They all died. They all died or they didn't. When I was reading this, (laughs) I was like, if this is freaking, if we find freaking Donner Party, Donner Party, like, the... If we find, like, one person alive and everyone else eaten, I am going to lose my shit because I cannot stand cannibalism. (laughs) (laughs) How how many years ago was this, though? This was a long time ago, though. Not that long. Was it? I don't know. So I guess he was retired. We'll get there. So, yeah. So, someone at the search party, like, they had left a trail for a while. Like, somebody dropped, like, his bowling alley card and, like, the little scraps of paper here and there. Like, they left a trail for a while. But, like... Right in the middle of, like, a huge, like, gallery, like, opening, the trail just stopped. And then Ralph had a thought. He didn't say it out loud, but in his head he was like, like the footprints in Bill Samuel's story. Mm-hmm. In the desert, the foot footsteps that just, like, vanished. Yep. 
So the second search party went on for a while, but even though they were told these are not very educated people, no, they're tell not. You. <laughs> because they were even told don't yell, and a guy decided to yell anyway, mm-hmm. and so part of the ceiling came down, mm-hmm. and so they decided it was time to get out. So <laughs> yep. Howie's like, surely they didn't abandon the search after one try. And Lovey says, of course not. Um, and then she like has to stop her story because she was parched, and so she gets a coke out of the cooler. And she checks her oxygen bottle and it was almost out. So Alec had to fetch her a new one. Once uh, they got all that taken care of, she resumes her story. And Lovey says that there was a dozen search parties over the years, right up until an earthquake in 2007. Then it was considered, like, too dangerous because, I mean, the cave gets more and more fragile. I mean, the pistol shot was probably the beginning of it. And then the person yelling and then, yeah, just all went downhill from there and then an earthquake i'm sure would have disrupted it even further so mm-hmm. oh and she even said that some of the passages collapsed like some of the big passageways collapsed so they couldn't even get down them anymore anyway yep and then the marysville hill hole closed for good mm-hmm. both the entrances were boarded up and then for a moment like after her story like the room was just kind of quiet and then Lovey says, you know what Roger said to me once? Couldn't have been six months before he died. He said the Marysville Hole might go all the way down to hell. That makes it a plate where this outsider appears to feel right at home, don't you think? So Holly says to everyone, not a word about any of this when Claude comes back because mm-hmm. they don't want, if the outsider really can like get in Claude's head, they don't want Claude to know. They don't want the outsider to know that they know about mm-hmm. the Marysville Hole because probably where this outsider's hanging out. <laughs> yep, and I think they're right. <laughs> Especially since Jack's like literally standing guard over it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's in a section 10. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> Alright, moving on to section number 11. One, one. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> Man, this wine stuff is kind of weird. I'm not used to wine. Yeah. I mean, you've <laughs> How many times have we had wine? Like, Probably like three. Yeah. I'm going to make you drink it pretty you much do. every time. Yeah. So I'll like try it and I'll like drink one glass. The first time we had wine, I absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. And I literally, I don't even think you noticed it right away. But so I like drank a very little <laughs> out of my glass. And then I kept going into the kitchen to take like vodka shots <laughs> i kept like switching our glasses every time you like drank a lot and then i would fill it so i was like trying to hide that i wasn't drinking the wine you're evil <laughs> i'm not a slytherin for no reason <laughs> all right section number 11 so lovey bolton looked pretty exhausted and said that the kitchen was too small for seven people to eat in it comfortably so they decided that they should go back to the gazebo, except Lovey Bolton called it the gazebo um, because they're not very well educated uh, down here. And it also turns out that Claude built it for her. Oh, what a nice little boy building the gazebo for her mama. And it was mama. so cute later when he comes back and then he's like, oh yeah, I built that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, he's like so proud that he built this. Yeah, one of them's going to definitely die for sure. You can't, you can't have this nice stuff. In Stephen King's books, they gotta die. The no. fact, the fact. Oh man, no, no! I guarantee Jeannie dies. No, I guarantee Jeannie dies. I don't think so. I think she's gotta die, but or how? Ralph. One of them has to die. I think Ralph I is know. more likely. I don't know. I don't know. No, Jeannie's in Flint City. It's twisted, man. I think Jeannie's gonna die. 
But I don't think so. We'll find out. Hey. She's canoodling with police officers right now. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after Lovey, like, said that she was kind of exhausted, or, uh, after Lovey said that they should eat in the, g- the gaze bow, uh, Holly suggested that Lovey should go lay down and rest, and then the rest of them will set up for lunch. And so this is when Ralph calls home and talks to Jeannie for the last time. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. It did not say that in the book, by the way. <laughs> it did not say the last time, but Holmes I have a just feeling. making assumptions. I have a very good feeling it's the last time they ever talk to each other. So it turns out that Officer Ramage and Yates are watching NASCAR on Jeannie's TV, and they ate all of her brownies. Like, what the fuck? Depends what was in those brownies. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got brownies. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that Betsy Riggins, uh, the other detective, came by to show off the new baby that she just had. And Jeannie says that the baby looks like Winston Churchill. <laughs> and so that's when Ralph says, I think either Troy or Tom should stay the night. And this is when Jeannie says, I was thinking both of them in with me. We can cuddle. Perhaps even canoodle. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I think the relationship is hilarious. I lo- like, it's like just us. the way that, yeah. He's <laughs> like, maybe I'll canoodle. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Ralph says, what a good idea. Be sure to take some pictures. Uh, and then Jeannie asks if they found out anything. And Ralph kind of avoids the question because they actually did find out a lot, but none of it was good and he didn't want to worry Jeannie. Also, didn't like, Claude, he like walks up at this exact at the exact time that yeah. Jeannie asked him that question. So even yep. if he would hit, maybe he would have told her about what was going on because he kind of you know he's told her about everything so far. But you know they don't want Claude to know anything. So yep. So this is the exact moment that Claude comes back with the food, and so they kind of hang up and finish up or whatever. And so uh, the food is cold, but because it's he had to drive so many miles away because they wanted time to talk without Claude being there. And so, was it 30 miles? It was like 30 or 40 miles. Like, ridiculous. 45 so like, minutes to an hour yeah. away. Yeah. Um, but he said that he got mashed potatoes so they could reheat better um, in the microwave than fries. Which I think is funny because I think fries reheat very well in the air fryer. Well, they probably didn't have an air fryer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Since their <laughs> air conditioning looked like it should have <laughs> They should have claimed Social Security. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so then Claude asks if they had a good talk with my mom and they didn't tell him, you know, he, he said, don't tell me what you guys talked about, but was it a good conversation, you know? And because uh, he, he also doesn't know if his mind's being read or not. And so he's like kind of weirded out by it. And so don't tell me anything, but, you know, yeah. whatever. So Ralph suggests that the Mr. Uni Sablo should stay the night to make sure that everybody's safe and nothing weird happens. And Claude asks if um, they are expecting any kind of trouble. And Ralph says that he doesn't really feel like anything um, is going to happen. But if it does, or if, you know, something weird does happen, at least Yun will be there to testify, you know, because he is a police officer. Right. Like, yeah, if so, so if. It looks like Claude committed a murder. Yeah. Tonight, it yeah. wouldn't be like yeah, Yun Sabo would be there and be like, well, he couldn't have because he was with me. Right, right. Um, Claude was saying that so because yesterday in the book, um, he was saying that he felt kind of weird and he felt that there was like an intruder in his house. But now that he's left and come back, 
he feels okay and he doesn't feel that feeling anymore. He doesn't feel weird anymore. Um, he just feels kind of hungry now, <laughs> um, which kind of makes me think something else is happening. But I don't know. I almost wonder. I almost wonder if the outsider has chosen to, you know, delatch from Claude and pick a new <sighs> victim. I don't know though. And then Claude it would be smart for the outsider to just mm-hmm. move on. Mm-hmm. He just moves on. That's true. I think he would he never really... be able to find him. I don't know. I don't think he's going to move on because I think he really wants to feed on their misery. And so right. I think he at least wants them to go to the Marysville hole or whatever yeah. and to kill them or eat them or whatever he does. But then move on, maybe. I don't know. So then uh, they kind of, you know, Claude says, yeah, you, Yun Sablo, you can stay the night. Uh, there's a mattress out in the ga- the gazebo, mm-hmm. not the gazebo, the gazebo, and he can stay there. And then also Claude said, I built the gazebo mm-hmm. for my mom. And that is the end of section 11. Nope. It feels, it's definitely, it's very different. It's fine. It's fine, yeah. drunk baby. Section 12. Kylie puts the chicken under the broiler and it, it did heat up nicely. So they ate in the gazebo and Claude told them like some funny stories about like things that happen at the gentleman, please. Oh yeah. Too, um, too yeah. So they didn't talk about like why they were there the rest of the night. And then after dinner, Levy announces that she's going to bed. She asks Yoon if he was going to be all right, sleeping in the gazebo. And he tells her that he is fully armed and that she has a very nice place out here. And she says he can come in at any time if he gets cold or anything, that there's a spare key under a pot by the door, which probably is smart right now, especially after they thought, you know, they were so worried about someone being there the night before and they had a freaking key outside their door. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> that he is getting his memory read, you know. Yeah. And so they would know where the key is. <laughs> yep. So Lovey thanked everyone for coming down, and then she went inside to go to bed. Claude lights a cigarette and makes a comment about how it's it's nice being, uh, um, wow, fuck. That's nice having <laughs> cops by his side for once, and he kind of likes it. Mm-hmm. And Holly asks if there is a Walmart nearby, because she needs to go shopping, and she just loves Walmarts for some strange reason. Mm-hmm. So Claude says no, that the closest thing is a Home Depot and Tippet. Holly says, that's good enough. Mm-hmm. She says they will do the dishes so Lovey doesn't have to in the morning, and that they will be back in the morning to pick up Lieutenant Sablo and then leave for home. She looks to Ralph and says, I think we've done all we can here. Do you agree, Ralph? And he says, sure. And then she asks Howie and Alec, and they say, Yep, we're fine, and yeah, pretty well done here. So they're making it sound like they're leaving, even though they really aren't. (laughs) They're going to leave because obvious reasons, but they want Claude to think that maybe they are leaving because they want the outsider to think that maybe they are leaving. Yep. Because they think the outsider is reading Claude's mind. Yep, that is the end of section 13. Sweet. And that's all we're going to get through today. This episode is going a little long, so we're going to cut it off right there. We'll finish out next week with the end of this chapter. It's a very long one. We're taking a long time getting through it. And then after this section or this chapter, we have a really long one to get through. And then that's like the end of the book pretty much. So we're almost there, guys. We're getting there. It's we're finding out the the real juicy details of the outsider. I promise you. Yeah. So we'll catch you guys next week in our epic adventure and conclusion of the outsider. Let's go. Thanks for listening, and you can find us on Instagram under Boozy Books and Movies. That is all spelled out, no spaces. 
Our Twitter is at BoozyBookMovie. Our email is BoozyBooksAndMovies at gmail.com. And our PayPal uses that email also if you'd like to donate to us. Thanks so much, and don't forget to listen every Monday. Bye.